Father, I pray that you would just continue to draw us into your presence, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to give us a heart that wants nothing more than nearness. We just continue to draw in and draw in and draw in. Lord, we didn't come to you just for what we could get from you. We want you, God. I want to know you in greater ways than I've ever known you before. I want to go deeper in my walk with you, God. I want to draw nearer and nearer. Lord, I pray that that would be the heart cry of everyone here, Lord. I just want you. Nothing that this world has to offer comes even close to even just one moment in your presence. And yet you have promised us a lifetime in which we can draw from this communion and living in fellowship with you. Said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. We just thank you for that, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So good to see you here this morning. Because if you weren't here, I'd be kind of lonely. <laughs> it's so good to just come and worship with God's people and God's presence. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, nothing else I'd rather be doing. I feel like if we were a boat, we'd be tipping that way a little bit this, this morning. <laughs> Y'all going to have to get to work, get some people in because they got you beat this morning. So, uh, And I think it's a lot of these teenagers. Love y'all. So glad that y'all come. You know, they sit up here at the front, not because they're told to, but because they want to. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Don't that bless your heart? Yeah. Well, Jerry Clower, y'all know I love Jerry Clower. Jerry Clower was uh, telling of his a story of his cousin, New Gene Ledbetter. And New Gene was a liar. He just loved to lie. He said he'd climb a tree to tell you a lie rather than, went, than stay on the ground and tell you the truth. And uh, New Gene come in the house one day saying, lion in the yard, lion's going to eat us. Lion's going to get us all. Uncle Versi Ledbetter said, now New Gene, and told to you about lying. So what happened was a neighbor had taken his collie dog and sheared that dog and just left a ring of fur around his neck and a little puff on the end of his tail. And, and uh, Uncle Versus said, now, New Gene, I done talked to you about lying, done whooped you. And I want you to go over to your room and you ask God to forgive you for lying. So New Gene goes to his room and directly come back out. And Uncle Versus said, New Gene, did you ask God to forgive you for lying? He said, yes, sir. And God spoke to me while I was in there. He said, oh, New Gene, don't go lying about God. He said, I ain't lying. He said, yeah, he spoke to me while I was in there and said, uh, first time he saw that dog, he thought it was a lion too. <laughs> sometimes we will lie about God. Sometimes we will lie to God. And uh, I don't know how... God didn't know that was a dog. But anyway, Acts chapter 5, <laughs> Acts chapter 5, as we continue studying through the book of Acts, the book of Acts is such an amazing book because it shows the early years of the church and what God was doing through his people and what God will continue to do through his people who are sold out on him. Amen. I'm telling you, God, 
God wants to do more in and through us than we're willing to let him. I just believe that's the honest truth. And I don't know why this morning it seems a little quiet in here. So let me just tell you, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you up front, this, service, this sermon is a, is a tough one. And it just changed just about five minutes ago. And so it, uh, it just got tougher, all right? So let's, let's go with it. We have chapter 5, verse 1, starts with the word but. And it starts with the word but because there is a tone in chapter 4, a very positive tone. And the tone is, is that, that God is doing something so mighty through this early church that the people were so done with the world that they would sell their worldly possessions and bring it before the church and said, y'all use it however you want to use it. Chapter, chapter 4, it just kind of ends with that tone. And then we get to chapter 5 and say, oh, it's getting good. And, but chapter 5 starts with the word but. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, what you need to understand in the book of Acts you see such generosity on behalf of the church because God had done something so mighty in these people's lives that they were one family. By the way, I consider this church my family. We are one family. And yet you see it so thick here that they said, I don't even own my own possessions. They're all God's. I'm going to just give it and use it for his glory and for the good of the church. And so that's what's happening in chapter 4. But then chapter 5, it looks like Ananias and Sapphira are doing the exact same thing. And, and yet they're not. They're not. So what they've done is they sold a piece of property and they brought money and gave it to the church and said, we sold the property for this amount. We're giving it all. But in fact, they sold it for a little more than that. And they kept back something. Now, let me help you understand. It was their property to do with whatever they wanted to do with it. And this was not for socialism that all the church had to bring everything. And every now and then this, this kind of will pop up in weird little churches every now and then that, that that's for socialism. That everybody uh, just gives all your church to, the, to the, the minister and he doles out to you what he thinks you need. That's, that's not what's going on here. That's, that's from hell. That's not what's going on here. But what is going on here is people are so moved by God, they just become so generous. And here comes Ananias and Sapphira and they said, we want in on some of this action. Now, let me tell you what they do want in on. They want in on the glory. If you look in the previous verses in chapter 4, the last two verses of chapter 4 tell a story about a guy named Barnabas. It's actually not his real name. His real name is Joseph, and his nickname is Barnabas. His nickname means son of encouragement. Because he was so given unto the Lord that he would just encouragement to everybody, everywhere he went, so much so that he just gave everything that he had and says, here, y'all take it and use it. God will take care of me. I just want to give it all. And so Barnabas, he's given a nickname. And don't you know he's probably got a little recognition in church? I, I, love, I love to tell the guy who they gave him a pen that said most humble. And they had to take it away from him because he kept wearing it all the time. And so here's Barnabas. And he was a, such an awesome guy that they gave him a nickname. 
son of encouragement. And here comes Ananias and Sapphira and said, we want a little attention too. This is where it gets dangerous. We, we look at the story and said, but they just kind of told a little white lie. It was just a little exaggeration. They, they were still generous. They didn't have to bring anything, but they still were generous. And they brought this into the, the church and they gave it to the church. And, and, and it's just a little exaggeration. Does this not seem uh, like a, just a small offense? So in verse 4, while, while it remained, this is Peter talking to Ananias, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Boom. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Well, I would think so. You got a church service, and God pulls somebody out and says, uh, uh, you're lying. Boom, they fall over dead. It just got serious up in here. <laughs> it just got serious up in here. And we look at this and say, but, but he was still generous. He was still giving, and yet he had concocted this story in his heart. So, verse 6, and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Now, I just feel sorry for those young men. They just came to church. They just spent three hours digging a grave, burying an old dude, and now they come back in, and hey, you got more work to do. I bet they didn't come back the third time. What do you reckon? <laughs> Leave the shovel at the house. But uh, we see this happening. And then the, the last part, verse 11 says, So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Word got out. It always does. Why is it that we're seeing new people every service that we have at this church? Because word gets out. When God's doing something, people want in on it, don't you? I know I do. If I were to hear of a true Holy Ghost revival somewhere in driving distance, I'm going to go. I want to get in on it. Amen? But now, this is not exciting news. <laughs> you go to that church, and you got something hidden in your heart, you'll die. That might hurt church attendance. <laughs> I want you to know this is not just some small exaggeration, not some little lie. There's more to it than that. If he was just simply, if they were just simply exaggerating uh, and say, well, you know, we had, to, we had some bills we needed to pay. And we, we, yeah, we sold it for almost that, you know, for a little more than that. But, but no, what we see here is they want attention. That is pride, and pride is the root of all sorts of evils. And they want attention. They want recognition. Anytime that you use your gifts, your talents to put yourself on a platform, it is evil. It is evil. And corruption has now sunk into this early church. 
And, and, it, and it looks severe, this punishment, it looks severe because here they are. I mean, they just, they just told this little story and all of a sudden they're dead. And it's like, where's the grace? Where's the mercy? That all of a sudden, our, this little small, in our minds, a small offense, God has killed them. They didn't even get a chance to repent. They didn't even get a chance to confess their sins, that God has killed them. I want you to know that when something is in its early phases and it starts off course, just give it a few years and it's so far off course you can't even make out what it is. This is not unique in the movements of God that we've seen in the Bible. We see God as soon as the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt, we have them at the Mount Sinai. He hadn't even given them the law yet. He's in the process of giving them, and they're breaking it while he's giving them. And God says, who's on my side? Draws the line. Moses draws the line in the sand. Who's fighting for the Lord? The Levites come over and says, all right, guys, get your swords on. I want you to kill everybody that's guilty of sin. Oh, my goodness, 3,000 people got killed that day. Or maybe if you would look at when they finally get into the promised land 40 years later, and there's uh, this city of Jericho, and God says, I want you to, everything that you take from Jericho is God's, and I want you to give it unto the Lord. It's his. Well, there was one fellow who thought that, nah, I want to take a little bit for myself. Kind of like Ananias and Sapphira. Greed has slipped in. And this guy named Achan took some of the, the resources for himself, and God killed him and his family and pile a pile of stones on top of them. You say, that's a little severe. It's a little severe. Yeah, God loves his church so much that he wants to make sure it's heading down the right pathway. And if you get off on your bearings a little bit at the beginning, it don't take long until you're so far out of sight that we can't even make out that you're a church anymore. I want you to notice here that this is not some small sin. He has allowed Satan, look how Peter put it in verse uh, 3. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? We just sang songs. This is where my sermon is taking a, a different road. It does take me a little longer to, to study for a sermon than just two minutes, but uh, I'm taking the sermon that I already preached this morning on a different pathway. We sang a song about communion. We sang a song about being in the garden. That was what was going on with Adam and Eve in the garden. They were, they were in total communion and fellowship with the Lord. There was nothing between God and them. They would, they would walk about in the garden in the cool of the morning. They just had that nearness to God. Until just like this, the slippery, slippery serpent slid in. And begins corrupting things and begins corrupting things by causing us to look on our own desires and our own wants. And just like he did with Adam and Eve, he did with Ananias and Sapphira. And what happens? Satan fills our heart and we begin to lie. Satan says to Adam and Eve, did God really say? He says to Ananias and Sapphira, do you really have to give it all? You really need to give it all. What happened in the garden? The, the sin came in and the glory departed. The glory left them. I don't know. I just kind of see that the glory was like a light just shining off of them. I, it says that they were naked and they didn't know it. Now, I don't know how you could be naked and not know it. <laughs> Unless your nakedness is covered over with God's glory. 
I believe that's what's going on. They're, they're just covered over with what we would call the Shekinah glory, a glowing. And they were covered over. It's just the eminence of being near God has now just, just gotten on them. And his glory is on them until they sin. And when they sin, they lost the glory. They lost the glory. Now they realize, oh, I'm naked. <laughs> what do they do? They go get leaves and they cover themselves up with leaves. I got a fig tree. I, I love fig preserves. My grandma made me fig preserves when I was a little kid. My wife now makes those same fig preserves. I tell you what. Yeah, they're dangerous, though. They're, you got to be careful. Because if you get any on your forehead, your tongue will slap your brains out trying to get to it. I mean, it is, it is that good. <laughs> so I, I've got a fig tree that, uh, that this, this fig tree is, has been in my family heritage for, for six generations. That at least I got a sprout off of my grandparents' fig tree that came off of his grandparents' fig tree. And so it, I, I like fig trees. I love my fig trees. There's one thing I know about the leaves on a fig tree. They will wither just like that. And here's Adam and Eve, and they've covered themselves up with fig leaves. And when you lose the glory, you will try and masquerade the glory, and you will try to cover up your sin. But I want to tell you, it's going to wither real quick. Here's Ananias and Sapphira. They have concocted a story. They are trying to be glorious. You get it? They are trying to be better or look better than they really are. They're trying to look as good as Barnabas. Barnabas gave it all. Barnabas got recognition. He gets to wear a pen. Son of encouragement. I want my pen. I want some attention too. When we want to, to when we strive to gain attention from men rather than God, we are headed down a dangerous pathway. As we have our praise team, so thankful for every one of them. Those behind the scenes, uh, this, there's a lot that goes on in this church right now. We have 100 people this morning serving all over the place. So thankful for every one of them. When one of them wants the glory for themselves, we're on dangerous ground. You see, when you use your gifts, when you use your gifts for your glory, Instead of using your gifts for God's glory, you have just moved from praise to performance. I used to be a real stickler over this. I've, I've backed off a little bit, but I, I, would, I would come just short of chewing somebody out. I wouldn't chew them out, but, but I, would, I would say this is not a stage. This is a platform, and it is God who is to be elevated on this platform. This is not a stage, and that is not an audience. That is a congregation. And we are to be a part of something together. These people are not performing for those people. That makes sense. Anytime we use the gifting that God has allowed us to have, gifting, it means he gave it. Amen? You with me? Anytime we use what he gave us for our glory instead of the glory of the giver, we have slipped into corruption and allowed Satan to fill our heart. You see, it was more than just a little white lie, more than just an exaggeration. It was corruption that was slipping into the church. Y'all with me? I told you this was a hard sermon. Y'all be the one preaching it. Corruption had slipped into the church. How in the world did Peter know he was lying? God told him he was lying. 
I had a situation one time in which I had a, uh, a little bit of a church conflict with someone from another church. As a pastor of this church, I needed to make sure that we were good with them. And so I had a meeting with this deacon, and, uh, and uh, I just wanted to get, I wanted to hear from Father first. You know what I mean? If I'm going to have a little bit of a conflict with a brother, I need to hear from Daddy before I go talk to him. So I spent time with the Lord, and, and uh, here's what the Lord told me. He's a liar. Oh, well, that just changed everything. Lord, show me through prayer and the reading of his word. It's amazing how God will use this book to tell you exactly the details that you need to know right now. And he did. I didn't go looking for it in my regular reading after asking God, Lord, I need to know what I'm about to get into. And he let me know you're dealing with a liar. Oh, okay. Well, I did. I went and it just I, I, this thought came to me as I'm looking at Ananias and Sapphira, the liars. And, and I go and I have this conversation with him and, and uh, he felt it necessary to bring in another deacon into the conversation. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm just having a conversation. I'm just trying to make sure we're good on everything. And, and, and the Lord had shown me, no, you're dealing with a liar. Well, come to find out I was dealing with a liar. God knew what he was talking about. Not only was he lying and causing conflict with our church and their church, he was causing conflict within his church and was sleeping around on his wife the whole time. So when you have what we think is a little white lie, no, what you have is corruption has slipped in. And Jesus said that the mouth will reveal the heart. And what was coming out of his mouth was lies because he had a corrupted heart. What's coming out of their mouth is lies because we have a corrupted heart. And so when I find myself getting a little, uh, a little lenient with my lips, I need to go check my heart. We can't allow that corruption to slip in. My cousin died of throat cancer and, uh, you know, he, he got cancer in the mouth, mouth region. But do you know that it wasn't just his mouth that was sick? No, they went to cutting out stuff. They cut out his vocal cords, was about to cut out his tongue, but he died before we got that far. You see, when stuff starts coming out of our mouth that tells us we're sick on the inside, it's not just your mouth that dies, is it? It's not just your mouth that dies. I mean, that'd be kind of strange and Maybe for me, a little bit funny, just mouth dust dies and falls off. Just, it, just them now, they're fine. It's just the mouth that was the problem. No, with your mouth is sick, you're sick. I remember visiting him in the hospital and they're cutting out stuff, trying to get ahead of the cancer. And, 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 and he, couldn't even, he couldn't even wet his mouth. And we're trying to have a conversation. He's having a dip of swab in the water. No, he was very sick. He was very sick. When our mouth betrays our heart, we don't need to take our mouth to the Lord. We need to take our heart to the Lord. Our figs, those fig leaves will wither. And we have to constantly be plucking fig leaves, trying to cover ourselves, constantly plucking fig leaves, trying to cover ourselves because we've lost the glory. How about we just get the glory back? Amen. Amen. 
It's his glory. We're just simply reflecting him. We're just reflecting his glory. We're not trying to get his glory. We're trying to give his glory. Amen. Jesus said, let your good works so shine before men that they will see them and glorify your father in heaven. His glory. When, when, when we're wanting glory for ourselves, when I just want a little attention, I just want to be appreciated. No, you want his glory. I, you want his glory. When, when, when the focus is on you, Jesus talked about the, the one who was out doing the, the good deeds to be seen. He said, that's all, the, that's all the recognition they're getting. But those who do their good deeds and, and doing it as unto the Lord, he says, I will recognize that individual. I'll glorify that one. Amen. So Ananias and Sapphira, it was more than a little white lie. Greed had slipped in, and yet they wanted some glory. And as they made up and concocted this story, God says, we're going to have to root this out. We got a cancer happening in the church, and we're going to have to cut it out quickly. And, and I'm going to tell you, uh, it, they did <laughs> in verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. I would think so. I would think so. We have a church meeting. God says, uh, we got a liar in the house. Boom, liar falls down dead. You boys get him out of here. Here comes his wife. Hey, I'm ready for church. A little late, three hours, but I'm here for church. And then all of a sudden, we got another liar in the house. Boom, she goes down. And those guys are like, I ain't going back to church. I ain't going back to, back to church. But it says, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. In other words, there is a mighty God up in that building. There's a powerful God in that building. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. This is in the temple complex. Yet none of the rest dared join them. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder, the group's not growing. Uh, I'm not sure why it's not growing. Maybe that whole killing over dead thing had something to do with it. But it says, they, but however, uh, people esteemed them highly. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. And, multitude, and multitudes of both men and women uh, let me read that again, verse 14. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And I'm going to tell you something. That's when God is moving in such a mighty way that a man's shadow will heal somebody. <laughs> They're like, let's just get him out close. Let's get, he's sick. Let's just get him out close. And so they bring him out. Peter walks by, his shadow falls over him, and the man gets healed. In verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What are you seeing? You're seeing a devastation diverted. And you're seeing the power of God prevail. Amen? Amen? We had a problem on our hands. 
We had people wanting God's glory. We had people lying to try and get the attention of God's people when we ought to be funneling the attention to Jesus. We had people who were greedy and yet glory hogs, and, and, and we had a corrupt heart in the church, and we had to correct the corruption. But once we did, but once we did, man, it took off again. Amen. I struggled with this verse of scripture. I struggled with it because I'm like, how do you lie to God? You think, you think Ananias and Sapphira didn't believe that God knew the price of the check? <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that, maybe I'm weird, but I sit there and thought on this for a little bit. No, they were lying to people. They, they surely knew that God knew that they got that much for that property. No, they weren't trying to, here's what lying is. Lying is the act of trying to mislead or deceive somebody. Well, surely you can't deceive God. Now, I know the scripture says that we can, we can rob God. And Malachi says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. But those that don't, they're robbing God and they're cursed with a curse. I, I recognize that you can rob God. But how do you lie to an omniscient God who knows everything? How do you lie to him? Well, that's kind of interesting, but we lie to him all the time, don't we? We lie to him all the time. I remember, I remember a deep, dark time in my life in which I was laying in a, in a, in a bed in a hotel room. And that room was just spinning and spinning. And people say God won't talk to you in these sinful times in your life. I have to disagree. I've experienced differently. That hotel room was spinning. I'm laying there in that bed and God says, what are you doing? I said, I'm having fun, God. I lied. I lied. I was as miserable as any man could be. I was just simply trying to drown my misery. I lied to God. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm having fun. I lied again. We lie to God all the time. We lie to God and say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm really okay, God. I'm, uh, somebody said, you need any prayer for anything? No, I'm good. I'm fine. Or, or, or God, I, I really forgive them. I hate their guts, but I forgive them. You liar. <laughs> you lie. Or just like Ananias and Sapphira, I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. Whether it be your heartbreak, I'm giving it to you, Lord, and then I pick it back up again and go back with it. Or your sin, and I'm giving that to you, Lord. I'm repenting of it, and I pick it up, and I take just a little bit. I, I I'm going to give you most of it, God. I'm going to say that I gave it all to you, but it's going to give you most of it. Or, or maybe it's all of my life. Lord, I'm going to give you most of it. Well, let me, let me back up for a second. Uh, maybe not most of it. I'll give you part of it. Hey, let me tell you. Uh, let's make a deal, God. How about Sundays? I'll give you Sundays. But you said you were giving it all. No, well, you know, I was exaggerating a little bit. Um, I, I want to give it all, but you know Mondays, God. You know what Mondays are like. Surely you don't mind me just kind of, uh, well, and then after Monday, whew, I'll, give you, I'll give you Sundays. And it's like, am I Lord or not? See, there was a parable. Jesus said, there'll be those who stand before him saying, Lord, Lord. Did I not do this and this? I did all of these things, God. I did all of these things, and, and surely you're impressed 
with what I gave you. And he says, you're lying. You're lying. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I never knew you. You never gave all of you to me. If you'd have given all of you to me, I would have given all of me to you. And you'd know what communion is really all about. Father, take us back to that garden. But we are so united with you once again and living in fellowship with you. We can hear your heartbeat. We can feel the breath of God on our lives. Lord, I pray that this morning you would draw us in in such a fashion that we are blown away. Lord, oftentimes we wonder, how can such a good and glorious God want anything to do with me? Because I know me. I know me. I lie. I say that I've given it all, but I, I haven't. Lord, I pray that you would so mold our hearts and hearts that are just honest with you. Touch us now, God, I pray. I want you to remain just in an attitude of prayer. You think God don't know? I don't know when 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 I say no I'm I'm good God I'm I'm okay you think he don't know the God who knows everything you think he don't know what's going on in your heart you think that he doesn't realize that that hurt is still there and you continue to try and cover over it and you continue to pluck leaves and try to cover over it because you don't want people to see it and you think he don't know that's still there He wants to heal it. He wants to heal it. Or you think he don't know that that void is still there, that, that whether it be the, the loss of a loved one or a father that never uh, was fatherly to you or, or, or a relationship that died and that, there's a hole there. You think he don't know that? He wants to fill it. So whether there be a hurt that he needs to heal or a void that he needs to feel or, or maybe there's just that one thing, that one thing that you just won't give up. You just won't give up. He wants to absolutely transform your life so that you can see the power of God flowing through you, not just to you, but through you. But you just want to hold on to that little bit. You think he don't know? You know, just say, God, I'm a mess. He says, I know. I never called you to be perfect. I will make you by my grace perfected but Lord I'm, I'm still a mess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jacked up I know 
just be honest with me. Just bring it all to me. Quit lying. Quit telling me you're okay when you're not. Father God, I pray this morning you'll do some surgery. And you will cut out some of the cancer of our own conscience. Where we just try to just try to hide it. Just want to cover over it. But because dealing with it's just way too messy. It's just ugly. It's unpresentable. Lord, I pray that you just put your finger on it right now. Lord, that you would reveal it right now, that you would bring our attention to that right now. That we might do business with you, Lord. And we would get it right. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As God is doing surgery on you this morning, there is the word of the Lord for how he does it. Confess your trespasses to one another. We're going to have our altar team at the front. Let's all stand together. It's like, how do I get past this? You confess it. Oh, but that's, <laughs> I'd have to uncover it. That's right. That's right. Quit lying to yourself and to God and confess it. I had a, Y'all can look at me for a second. I had a situation in my life. I, I had lied to my dad when I was 16 years old. And I mean, I'm way beyond 16 now. <laughs> you know what? That thing, man, that kept coming back to me here recently. We're talking about just, you know, sometime within the last five years, I guess it was. That thing came back up to me. Um, see, my dad had given me a pocket knife that and this, y'all may think this is the most stupid thing. This guy's an idiot. <laughs> Maybe I am. But he had given me a pocket knife that, that he had carried it in his pocket for so long that it was as slick as it could be. It, it was something special to him. It gave it to his son. I carried it with me. I lost it. I had told him that someone stole it. I would rather him think someone else did wrong than I did wrong. I lost it. I told him, I was 16 years old. Why did it come up a few years ago? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it was conviction from the Holy Spirit or condemnation from the devil. I don't know. To this day, I still don't know. Why would this come up after all these years? I know there's a whole bunch of other stuff I hadn't confessed. Why did this come up? I still don't know if it was condemnation from the devil or conviction from the Holy Spirit, but I only knew of one way to get rid of it. I only knew of one way. That this is going to just continue to come up. It's going to be yucky every time it does. There's only one way to get rid of it. Confess your trespasses one to another. I was in Israel. I'm a long way from death. 
I'm telling you, I got over there and I was trying to draw nearer and nearer to the Lord and it kept coming up. I don't know if conviction or condemnation, I don't know. But all I knew is I had to settle it right then and right there. And I sent dad an email. <laughs> and for some of you, if that knows my daddy, that's funny. <laughs> Cause he don't know how to even open a computer. So what did that mean? I had to send that email to my mom to give it to dad. So now it's kind of broadened. But here's what I knew. I gotta deal with it now. I don't want one thing stand between me and my God. I gotta deal with it now. And, and you know what? Whew, that was not easy. But the release that I got, the relief that I got, and the joy that I got, Maybe you're here and you're, you're telling God, oh, I'm all right. And you're, I, I've given it all, Lord. It's like, come on. Let's get real. And how do we do that? Confess your trespasses one to another. You'll be healed. You'll be filled. Father God, I pray that you'd give us the courage and the boldness to do it right now. We're miserable with our misery. We're not, we're not, we're not growing comfortable with it want to be past it because we want to see the power of God flowing in and through our lives in ways bigger than we've ever dreamed of. So we pray for you to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have our time of invitation. We're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord together and we're going to do business with God. Maybe you just want to come down here and you want to pray at the altar. Maybe you want to meet with somebody. You're right now, you're probably thinking, oh, I was going to go pray with somebody, but now you think, they're going to think I'm confessing my sins. <laughs> Who cares what anybody else thinks? Who cares what anybody else thinks? I want to be so holy, bold, that I do not care what you think. I want to be, it's called total abandonment. I'll worship how I want to worship. I'll live how I want to live. Because it is before the Lord and Him only. Not to you, not to you. So let's do it. Let's worship the Lord. You do business with God.